Hey friends, this is Reiko Zek, and you're listening to Jesus in the Center, one year Bible podcast, and I am so glad you are. Today is day number 10, January 10th. How you doing? You sticking in there? You missing some readings? Are you catching up? Is God giving you more faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So you want more faith? You want to grow? Well, keep on hearing and reading. You may be doing perfect, batting a thousand, or you might be doing badly. It doesn't matter. Keep digging in and joining us to read and hear the Word of God. So today, uh, we're going to read Genesis chapter 23 and 24, a little bit of Matthew chapter 8, Psalm, the rest of Psalm 9, and part of Proverbs 3, which is some people's uh, most well-known verse of the Bible, Proverbs, or at least of Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Well, there's so much here in Genesis 23 and 24, and I'm, I'm glad we're looking at it today. In Genesis 23, we see a couple things. One is that Sarah is a woman of honor. She is the only woman that we know of uh, who's, at, at her death, how old she was. It's the only only woman whose age is listed. So she is she's a woman of honor, and Abraham wants to honor her. Now notice in, in Genesis 23, at, at this point, Abraham has been promised by God several times that the land there will be his. It will be for his people so that there will be a place for the seed, the offspring, capital T, capital O, that is the Messiah. There will be a, a, a land and a people that that rescuer will come, come into. So uh, in this chapter, we see him honoring his wife this is that is Abram or Abraham honoring his wife Sarah when she passes away and he buys a field and we see here the very very much the ancient near east we could see say even today the um, the middle eastern culture of hospitality and bargaining and honor and and all these things anyway he he does the things he has to do to to buy the field at first the the man says, I'll just give it to you, you know, kind of a, as an honor, like, oh, what is it between me and you? I'll just, I'll just give it to you. You know, you've been a prince of God among us in these things. And he says, I will give the full price. And then finally the man gives the price and it's 400 shekels of silver. And he says, what is that between you and me? No big deal. Well, likely this 400 pieces of, of silver is, is quite high. It's probably way more than it's worth, but Abraham doesn't care. He wants the best place for his wife to be buried. And notice, this is the only piece of land that Abraham ever owns that we know of. And it's sort of like the first fruits, right? It's the very beginning of what will will come with the promise. Well, that's, uh, that is Genesis 23. Genesis 24, it's amazing. It's the It's the longest continuous narrative in Genesis, which has... Uh, quite a few long stories, but this is the longest, Genesis 24, and it is, it is the, uh, the answer of a prayer. Abraham um, doesn't say that he prays, but he sets out and he wants a son, uh, he wants a wife for his son, the son of promise, Isaac. And Isaac is, we find out, is about 40 years old uh, at this time, and his wife has died, and it's been about three years since his wife has, I'm sorry, his mom has died. And it's been about three years since his mom is, has died. And Abraham sets out to find him a wife. And not just any wife. A wife who will have compatible 
faith. Faith not just in whatever, not just in a God or the gods, but faith in the Lord, in Yahweh. And so he wants to find a suitable wife for him. He does not want, want one, and he makes his servant promise, don't get him a wife from the Canaanites. Instead, he says, go back to my people and get a wife who will be compatible, who will have faith in Yahweh. And then the servant's like, well, what if I can't, what if it doesn't work out? What if I can't find one? You know, all this. And Abraham exercises great faith here. He says in verse 7, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I'll give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And then he lets him off the hook. If you can't find her, don't worry. Just do the best you can. Uh, and But he's full of faith that God will provide. And we see throughout the story of Genesis so far in the life of Abram, Abraham that God did provide. And so he's sure that, that God will continue to provide. And we see this servant. He's not named, but he has great faith. He trusts the word that Abraham spoke about the Lord, the God of heaven, and he goes, and on this hundreds of mile journey, he takes, uh, I guess, 10 camels, probably at least 10 guys with him, nine guys with him, and, or who knows how many, but a handful. He's got a whole bunch of camels, and and he goes there, and he, he prays. This is verse 12. This is a great thing to do, to pray for success. I'm just going to read this prayer. Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. That's just a beautiful thing for us to pray. Lord, show us success, not as we would choose, but as you would choose, and show your steadfast love to us. This uh, this word, steadfast love, is the word you'll see many times in the Bible, is the word kesed or chesed, and it's it's his covenant love, which makes sense here in, uh, in the story in Genesis, because God is is a God who is making covenants and he will fulfill his love according to his covenants. And so the servant here prays and uh, I just love, I don't know, I'm sure you do too if you read it, you just love the story how God um, makes it, an answer to his prayers so obvious. He says, let, let her be the one whom you've appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So there he is at the spring or the, the well, um, and he's arrived there. No doubt his camels are thirsty. He is thirsty, and uh, and he's just praying, God, I'm here. I'm here in this town you told me to go to. Now what? Now do your thing. And I love verse 15. It says, before he had even finished speaking, behold, exclamation mark. At least I put that there. Behold, Rebecca, who was born you know, to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, that is, you know, so it's Abraham's, I'll need to say this, it's Isaac's cousin's daughter, all right? So behold, there she is, uh, the young young woman who is very attractive in appearance, uh, uh, a woman, a young maiden who has never been with a man, it looks like she might be the one, and she goes and and she is a few different things. She's beautiful. She's courteous. She's enthusiastic. And she agrees to to water, give him water, and also to water her camels. And I didn't really think much about this, but as I was reading about this, you know, there's like there's about 10 camels, likely. And each of these camels would drink 30 gallons if they're just returning from a long trip. That's 300 gallons 
300 gallons times eight pounds, that's like 2,400 pounds of water. Now, maybe they didn't need that much, but it, it seems like this is not an instant thing. It's, she had to, it took her a while to get this water. She's a hardworking, generous, and kind woman. And so the servant, verse 21, the man gazed at her in silence while she's doing this to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. And then isn't this just beautiful? Maybe you have these kind of experiences. You pray and you don't know. You see God answering your prayer and you're not quite sure, really, is this is this really from the Lord? It seems too good to be true. And you can see the Lord working it out right before you. You know, that's beautiful when that happens. And so we rejoice when it does. Anyway, the... the um, as a reward for her unselfishness, the servant gives Rebecca a gold ring. Uh, this is probably a nose ring, uh, and also two bracelets. And then there's more answered prayer that she's related to Abraham. And so the man, verses 26, um, she invites him. She says, "Yeah, you can come to our house. We, this this is who we are. We are hospitable." The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. That's just beautiful. He prays and he keeps on praying. He sees an answer to the prayer and he, he bows his head and worships the Lord. And then he, he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and faithfulness. There's that word again, kessid, his steadfast love. And this other word, and his faithfulness, this in Hebrew is the word emet, and it's God being true to his word. Um, so that's, that's, you'll see that all over as we keep reading. So God has been faithful to his, his covenant love and his faithfulness. And then he says, as for me, the Lord has led me in the way of the house of my master's kinsmen. So he's just, he's rejoicing and he worships the Lord. This is sort of a, a response to, to God's provision. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, the, he kind of then waits for the men of the house to also invite him. He does, doesn't want to just step in and impose so Laban, the, the brother uh, of Rebekah, comes, and he also knows the Lord, and he invites him in and says, verse 31, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. You know, he could have said, uh, Come in, O blessed of Baal or Molech, or pick your, your God uh, from that region. But instead he says, Come in, O blessed of Yahweh. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. These people are very hospitable. right? Remember Abraham? He got like five gallons of wheat and turned it into to cakes. And he got uh, a young goat and turned it into to a dinner. Um, so they're very hospitable. But he's not going to just sit down and eat. He is going to spill the beans. He's going to um, tell why he's there. And then we see in verses 34, maybe it's 15 verses or so, this is the longest speech in the Old Testament that we have by a slave. It's pretty awesome. And I just wrote down three things that he kind of communicates. The first one is that the one that she will marry, that is Isaac, Isaac comes from a family who has been very blessed, who can provide for her, right? And this is important because he's basically saying, will you have Rebecca joined in a covenant to a man? This man, he's basically saying, can provide for her. That's the first thing. The second thing is that a maiden, a young woman who has faith is needed, right? Abraham didn't just want any any lady, any young lady for Isaac's wife. He wants a woman of faith. And so that's why he said, go back there and find one. 
And the third thing is uh, that in the course of events, as he prayed, God answered his prayer. And so uh, that's the third thing. God provided Rebecca as the clear answer. And they agree. Um, they agree and they, I'm just flipping my Bible here. They agree and then they give their approval. Um, and they said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as Yahweh has spoken. And then again, he responds with prayer and worship. This incredible task, mission, that he was charged with, it, it seemed too daunting for him. But he went out in faith, and God completely answered his, his prayers. Abraham was right that the angel of the Lord was with him and opened all the doors. So it's pretty cool to see that. We see also one of my best friends likes to say, timing is of the Lord. And we saw see this all throughout the story. Uh, it's just beautiful. And also we see that Rebecca is not forced into it. Yes, the, 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 the wedding, the marriage has been agreed to already, but the next morning the servant wants to get going just because he's, this is his mission. And he says, let's go right now. And and they ask her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So she too is open and excited about what the Lord has done and is doing. And so the family, they let her go and they bless her. They send along with her, her nurse from uh, maybe like her nanny from childhood. We don't know here, but later chapter 35, we find out her name is Deborah. And then they give her a prophetic blessing, a blessing that God might give them fruitfulness and victory. And it's a beautiful thing. They have faith, not a perfect family by any means. And then we see this, it, this ends, they come back on this camel ride, you know, hundreds of miles, and they go back to where Abraham and Isaac live. And we see Isaac as sort of a picture of Christ. He is, he's out in the fields at evening time and he's meditating. He's a man of faith. Remember what we read uh, when we started this, Psalm 1, blessed is the man uh, who meditates on the, the Torah, the, the law of the Lord. Um, those who meditate on it, they will be blessed by it. That man will be blessed. And so here we see Isaac, a man who is blessed as he is meditating. That word is used to conjure up, you know, a thinking and a rethinking about what God has said. And no doubt, um, no doubt uh, he has thoughts of, of God's will, of God bringing him a wife to continue the promise given to his father. Anyway, beautiful story about how Rebecca uh, sees her and in humility, she, she covers herself with the veil and um, Isaac brings her into the tent of, his Sarah, of Sarah, his mother, and they are married. She becomes his wife and he loved her. And now she is the matriarch of this, of this line and Isaac is comforted. Tell me what you think about this. I wrote this down in my notes, uh, that marriage is the basis for love. Here, Isaac and Rebecca don't even see each other with open eyes, not fully. She's wearing a veil. They don't really know each other, and yet they get married. And it says that Isaac loved her. No doubt from this time on, they, they have a deep and loving relationship. In our culture, usually it's we find the person with open eyes, we we develop a deep and loving relationship with them 
And then we make vows that, yes, we will be married. God is joining us together. And that is good. But here we see it's the other way around, that there are, um, there's the marriage, and then that becomes the foundation for their love. They're, they're united, and then they live a life of love. Anyway, it is also a picture of, of Christ's love for us, that he, uh, as we see in the words faithfulness and uh, loving kindness, that Christ, Christ lives that out for us. Anyway, so much there. I'm going too long here today. In Matthew, we won't spend much time on this, but we see a few things that Jesus comes today. And uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows that he has authority uh, to teach, authority uh, like no one else, right? Not like the scribes, not like the, all, the, all the, those who just added rule upon rule. Uh, but instead, he comes with the authority of God because he is God himself. We also see uh, from chapter 8 and chapter 9, we're going to see about 10 uh, 10 very distinct miracles that Jesus will do. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he has authority through teaching. Here he has uh, authority through his healing. And we see him heal a leper. And I love this, that, that the leper says, Lord, if, Lord, notice he doesn't call them just teacher or rabbi. He says Lord, which is the Greek word um, that was translated for Yahweh in the Greek Old Testament. He says to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And I love how Jesus says, I am willing. And Jesus does something that was forbidden, or at least not practiced, that he touched this leprous man. Right? Normally when you touch someone who is leprous, you become leprous. But Jesus, Jesus is the one who has come to, to bring healing and cleansing. He also then um, interacts with this centurion. I won't, you, you probably know this, but uh, the centurion asks him to come and heal. Actually, he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And then it's either a question or a statement. Jesus says, I will come and heal him, or do you want me to come and heal him? This this is an amazing statement of Jesus because Jewish people, let alone rabbis, would never go to the home of a Gentile. It was, not only was it forbidden, it was just never done, right? So Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll come to your house and I'll heal him or do you want me to come and heal him either way it's a beautiful offer on the part of Jesus and this centurion again Roman soldier in authority he probably has 80 or 100 soldiers under him and he is he's part of the occupying force of Rome so the Jews don't like them right and this man he's, he's a higher up and Jesus Jesus offers to go to his house, but the centurion, he doesn't want to stir up the waters too much. You, you know, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. He says this, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Uh, there's a, a teacher in the church named uh, St. John Chrysostom, who for, for many years, um, well, many years back, he turned this into a prayer, a prayer uh, during the time of receiving the Lord's Supper. And so I often think this, maybe you do too, this statement of the centurion, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under the roof of my mouth, but only say the word and I will be healed. I think that's a beautiful prayer to, to remember. Thank you to that centurion who had great faith. By the way, Jesus is amazed or he marvels. And this is like, 
we'll see that you can check out chapter 15. There's a, a woman there who also has faith. She is also not a Jewish person. She is uh, a Gentile, and Jesus is amazed by her faith. Well, it goes on, and uh, Jesus says that all those, uh, not all those who uh, are sons of Abraham by by, by natural descent uh, will be those uh, who come into the kingdom, um, but rather it's all those who um, who have faith, right? Just like this centurion did. Jesus heals then uh, Peter's mother-in-law and also many, many others on that night. And I love how Matthew includes here a, a little bit from Isaiah chapter 53 uh, after he heals a whole bunch of people. He says, This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Otherwise, translated, by his stripes we are healed. Well, great stuff. Psalm 9 it ends also. There's a lot of parallels to the things we've already read, but I'm just going to skip over and look at, at this verse in Proverbs. You probably know it, but let me just start with verse 3. You probably know Proverbs 3, 5. Verse 3 says this, Let love and faithfulness, those same words we see in Genesis 23 and 24, let uh, chesed and emet never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And then this beautiful verse. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Other versions say in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight or he'll direct your steps. Anyway, great stuff. Thanks be to God for the beauty that we see in today's reading. So many things we can learn today from Abraham and from Abraham's servant and Rebecca and Rebecca's family and Isaac, all just pictures of faith in action. And, you know, it all makes sense because there is a God in heaven, uh, the Lord himself, who is intervening and he is carrying out his plan to bring the Redeemer. And we see that in Matthew, the Redeemer, the one who has come to heal. He's on the scene and, and he gives us, uh, gives us healing. Now, we don't all have healing now, but we will. All those who believe, we will have light in the kingdom of heaven. We'll recline at table, as Jesus says, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So let us trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our hearts. And let us not lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, let's acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. All right, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.